wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Leah Follett. Welcome to A Quirky Journey. Join us as we share our family's journeys to good health. You'll find plenty of inspiration, tips and recipe ideas, as well as stories from everyday people who've struggled and overcome health problems and diet challenges in their own families. I'm Jo Witten, author of the blog and book Quirky Cooking, and I'm here with my friend and co-host and health coach, Leah Follett. And today, Leah has a special guest she'd love to introduce, so go ahead, Leah. I'm so excited. Um, I've been really, really excited to have Jersey. Her name's Joanne Hall, and I met her in Bundaberg, and she's the most wonderful person, and I'm not going to tear up or cry anywhere during this episode. But yes, you are. Jersey, no, I'm not. <laughs> Jersey has been my rock and I thought it was only, oh, everyone has to have a jersey in their life and mm. I wanted to share my jersey with everybody else so they knew what they were missing out on. <laughs> no, 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 everyone needs, everyone needs a jersey. So I just wanted to give her a bit of an introduction. So um, I won't say where she is. Do you want to say where you're from, Jersey? Yeah, I don't Okay, care. okay, cool. <laughs> okay, Jers is in Bundaberg. Um, and basically today we're going to be talking about screaming babies, doctors and opinions, and we're going to be talking about allergy testing yeah. and also having the strength uh, to listen to your own intuition and go with your gut instinct against all else. Yep. Um, but firstly, before we even go down that path, I just wanted to give a shout out to all the doctors and all the nurses and all the health practitioners. Like What we're going on and what we're doing today is talking about um, everything we're saying is coming from a place of love or initially it was from a place of fear and unknowing but mm. through that we've been able to reflect and we can see that those people in those positions were there to help us and guide us and for Jers, it's kind of been like a, um, a path of, of discovery and intuition and, and parenthood through that. So I just wanted to say that first that, you know, doctors are there for a reason, but sometimes you have to stray off that path in order to find your own. And that's kind of where Jersey's story um, comes in and why it's important to stick true to yourself and really listen to that innate voice inside yourself. So, Jers, do you want to kick it off? Yeah, why not, Lau? Let's kick it off with that baby you had. No, yeah, let's kick it off with the pregnancy, that perfect pregnancy you had. Let's start yes, from there. Yes, I did. I had the perfect pregnancy after... The first one I had, I'd put on 22 kilos. This second pregnancy was a dream. I only put on 10 kilos. I went to a water aerobics twice a week. I was active. It, there was just, you know, not a care in the world, not a drama. Then I had this baby. <laughs> so um, after the first few days, his name was Casey, I should say. Yeah. Um, after the first few days, um, he developed reflux. Mm -hmm. But I, I was fine with that. I didn't have a problem with that. His older sister had reflux and she grew out of that at about 18 months old. So off I toddled off to the chemist and got myself some Mylanta because I knew that I'd be able to use that until we had our paediatrician's appointment in a few weeks. So all was going to be good. But things didn't really settle down and he then, within the first two days, developed constant diarrhoea. Mm. So I rang the paediatrician's office and they said, it's okay, don't you worry, just swap over to a lactose-free formula, we'll get him tested next week and everything should be fine. And I said, okay, so off I went down <laughs> got my lactose-free formula, come home. Yeah, but it didn't help, did it? So, <laughs> so were you, can, can I just ask a question? So were you breastfeeding before the formula or you were already on cow's milk formula? Yeah, so I had tried to breastfeed uh -huh. in. Now that's another. That's another whole that's story. Another story. That's yeah. another podcast. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I know. I've had trouble with breastfeeding a couple of mine, so yes. I understand. Yes, but some of it was. was yes, look, that's just that's something else we can go into at another time. Okay. <laughs> um, so I went so, from cow's milk. Um, yes, he was. I yep. was breastfeeding in hospital, and then we were um, topping him up with formula as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then once we got home, he was pretty well much formula fed the whole time. And then once this came up, then we just went to the lactose-free formula. Then from yep. from there, from there. So yep. he was then still a very unhappy baby. Um, did, and it, did it help the diarrhea? 
No, he oh. then, the diarrhea just got worse. Oh. And the silent reflux then turned into full-on projectile vomiting. Oh, no. So he was never never settled, never slept, and, and was never happy. So anyway, finally, two weeks rolls around and we're ready to go to the paediatrician. I was so excited because I thought, oh, today all of my, all of my prayers are going to be answered. After today, everything will be good. Yeah. So went there, got our, got our reflux meds, got a change of formula to another formula called Neopate and went home excited that in two weeks' time everything would be wonderful and off we'd go and be able to have fun with our new baby. So, you know, that didn't happen. Mm. Things just continued to get worse. The diarrhoea didn't stop. Um, the projectile vomiting didn't stop. He screamed day and night. Mm. Um, he had to be held upright. You had him in a baby yes, bureau the whole time and you guys were on shifts. I remember that, that it was your wow. turn, I'll have a nap, my turn, I'll have a nap, you know, like it wow. was. Yeah. Well, I don't remember any turns with napping. No, I don't remember <laughs> turns, no. I had a turn. I walked in the door. Oh, yeah, you get it here. Strap this on and just hold that for the next four hours while I have a snooze. Oh. <laughs> yes. But anyway, so about this time, that's when I started to um, turn to the internet to search for answers. So I quickly um, came across a group called RISA. Um, and they're um, a reflux um, support group. How do you spell uh, that? R-I-S-A. Okay. Hmm. So they were really great um, for help, especially um, mentally, um, just connecting with other mums that were going through a similar situation, mm. you know, yeah. what, you, what support groups are usually for. Um, then... I quickly learnt, though, that everyone else was in the same boat as me. Everyone had a screaming baby that didn't sleep, that didn't settle, and nobody was really able to help any of us. So, mm. you know, everyone was just going through the same cycle. So I kept seeing the paediatrician. We changed reflux meds. We added thickener to his formula at the rate of five times the recommended wow. dose to try oh, wow. and... Um, keep it down but it's it still didn't help so um he didn't improve luckily I said I had him I used to wear him strapped to me just about all day so by this by now we're talking about three months I suppose and, mm. and I was I was pretty pretty exhausted I very, remember it very at stressed that stage sorry no that's okay I said I bet it was very stressful I was just yeah. going to say, at that stage, um, I was living in Brisbane and I was coming home to Bundaberg to, to check on my dear Jersey. And I remember coming and having, you know, getting in late, late one night and the next day Jersey was going to start um, solid. So I think he was about three or four months and they said, look, try and get some rice into him. So mm. I remember sitting in Jersey's kitchen and she had this kid sitting up and she was trying to feed him rice, but she was so sleep deprived and so stressed that the rice, she just yeah. got it, this rice, mixed this rice, uh, yeah, ground yeah. rice out of a packet and just mixed it with water. She, like, she was so stressed, it didn't even register she had to do anything. She just, it wasn't an instant mix. It was, oh. you put it on the stove, you add water, you cook it like you would do yeah. rice with a parent. Yeah. And this poor little kid was doing the, the tongue reflex and trying to, because it's like sand. Oh. <laughs> she was both like, Ian, why isn't he eating this? And Which is so unlike me. Yeah. It's so like the alarm bells for me are like, holy, you know, this is really bad. If if Jez is trying to feed the kid raw ground rice, something, yeah. oh, something's oh. got to give. Yeah. Oh, he, was about, he was about seven or eight months old. When we oh, was that. he? I remember yeah. him being little. Oh, well. Yeah. Your story, continue. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so I was... I was exhausted by then, constantly sitting on, trolling the internet, you know, like I'd have him strapped to me and I'd be standing at the computer just trolling, just trying to look, you know, find any answers, making connections with other mums on the on the RISA group. And then one day, um, because RISA was through, it's not anymore, but it was through um, the Yahoo um, mm -hmm. system. Yep. Yeah, so an ad popped up for another group that was called Near K Kids. And I thought, oh, right, okay, so I'll go have a look at this. Um, and, and I joined that group. So that was, this is one of the biggest turning points in my life, joining that group. Mm. They just blew my mind when I first um, got in there and, you know, 
heard what was going on. So there were some kids in there that were only drinking near Kate and on reflux meds and at school. There were some kids wow. that um, could eat a couple of foods. Um, you know, I've seen on talking two or three foods still on near Kate, still on reflux meds. Wow. At school um, age. So yeah, can, can you explain like, what Neocate is? Because okay, I, so I don't really know. It, Neocate is a, is it hydrozolized formula? Is that how you say it, Well, Yeah, like a hydrolyzed. It's a pre-digested, broken yes. down, made in a lab, you know, just the yes. basic, um, yes. you know, and, and like amino acids, peptides, vitamins, minerals, nutrients, so yes. nothing else, no no fillers, that's okay. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so when um, when children are tube fed, that's what they're tube fed. Okay, yes, yeah, so I know what it is now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, you know, if you, that's where we were had it headed type of thing. Yeah. If he couldn't start holding, you know, holding this down, then that was going to be the next step type of thing. So I got into this group and, yes, that's kind of. Scared you? And I thought, is this, is this where I'm going? Is this where we're headed? Is this just not going to change? Mm. Um but slowly then I was introduced to the idea of food and chemical sensitivity mm -hmm. and um, told about multiple chemical sensitivities, um, which is, you know, when, ki when kids have sensitivities to multiple chemicals all at once. So mm -hmm. they introduced me to the idea that I needed to change the water that he mm -hmm. was drinking and have use filtered water yeah uh, that i needed to look at changing all of my cleaning products mm -hmm. and all of my um personal care products yeah and that a lot of those things were actually inducing some of his reflux hmm. so once i started to pull those things away he then um started to settle and the um vomiting became became less they were that that group was also the ones that um, told me to look at um, removing the thickener and things like that that it could be contributing to the problem mm -hmm. because it was made from corn and things. So it was just you know opening my eyes up that some of these everyday things might actually be contributing when I thought I was doing everything that I should be doing and what everyone had told me to do. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's kind of where I got to got to with them. Mm. Right. Um, Jers, I remember specifically that you and Shane had to bring little Casey down for some allergy testing at the Gold Coast. Mm. That was, can you explain that? That was to test for foods that he might be able to have or? No, that was to look at allergies. So that was early on. So that was probably about when he was about six to eight months old. And by then, because he wasn't holding anything down, and I think I'd, I think we'd done the rice and the sweet potato sponge yeah. by then. Mm. And um, that was to check for allergies before they tried to do anything, anything further. So it was pretty much you would go to an allergist mm -hmm. and do that and then you would also usually you'd be going to um what are those doctors called that do your belly can't think of them gi ones oh yeah i don't know let's call them gastroenterologist so usually those two would go hand in hand and you would see both of those but we couldn't get into one and obviously we were having to travel to um brisbane to have any of this done so yeah we came down and then that's when we found out that he was allergic to egg dairy and soy mm. i think that was all at that stage mm -hmm. so it was then come back home um and then try to do more um food challenges type of things but every time we tried to do a few a, a food challenge um, we just ended up with diarrhea. We ended up with big red rashes around mm. his face, and obviously bad, really bad nappy rash from mm. from trying any of those kind of things. So mm -hmm. through um, the interaction on the Neocat Kids group, I pretty well much learned that I needed to just stop and just. Do, do near Kate only for a while and see if we could then um, bring his chemical load down. So I think, have you talked about the bucket theory, Lau? I have on other podcasts, but I'd like you to. 
rehash yeah. it for me. Rehash it. Okay. <laughs> so the bucket theory is that we all have a, a bucket and that everything that we come across and everything we do or eat or smell goes into the bucket. And if we eat or smell something that's uh, too much for the bucket, the bucket's going to overflow. So pretty well much what was happening with him was his bucket was just constantly overflowing all mm. the time. And the only way to get it back down was to just stop, mark time, and just keep him on near Kate and on nothing else for a while to just to try to get him to settle. Mm. So when I did that, yes, things did settle down. We got into a bit of a routine. He then started to sleep at night but still was very reliant on the reflux meds and was still refluxy but at least now not projectile vomiting and was keeping the near Kate down. So... That's kind of where we got to mm. from there. Um, there. There was another round of allergy testing where you came and stayed with me, though, and I remember that being an absolute nightmare because you had started removing those chemicals from your home, but I hadn't started removing them from my home. <laughs> so poor old Casey came from this, you know, pristine environment where the, you know, the water was right and, and, you know, like you got the sniff test when you got to Jersey's door. If you had perfume on, you weren't allowed, you weren't permitted past that point. It, it was yeah. even like washing powder. Remember it somebody was... had come and it'd be like, yeah, look, I can smell your clothes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So yeah. it was, and then she brought this baby down and I just, I feel forever in, Casey's debt because I think he set me off on the path I'm on now yeah I, I didn't know about the chemical sensitivities and I didn't know these problems and looking at Jersey she had this I had had William who yet was not diagnosed and then she had this baby that was screaming all the time and he, you know like I'd get up with her and you know just check on her through the night he'd still be screaming can I help no just go back to bed all that kind of stuff and mm. I didn't realize how chemically um, sensitive his, he was and also how bad my environment in my house was because I was just using the normal run-of-the-mill things that you would have in a house and I had no um, idea the gravity of the situation, how much it would affect him. Wow. Granted, at the time, I was working as a milliner making hats um, <laughs> and Jess kept trying to rein me in and sort of say, no, no, you can't use this and you can't use that, but I didn't even listen to any of that until Casey came down. That was my wake-up call, mm. you know, like he saved her house and mine. Yeah. Mm. He's the yeah, medical he's, baby. Yes, he's been the one to send both of us on our paths, hasn't he? Yeah, he he's really has. Catalyst. He uh, is the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> he really was. He really was. Um, on that trip that you did come down, Jers, would you mind sharing what it was like to go up to the hospital in Brisbane? And you and I went together. I came as your backup because Shane yeah. couldn't come down at that time. Yeah. Um, I came to give you a hand. I have a very vivid memory of what, of what happened. But, you know, once again, we're not um, demonising the health system, but it's just the, the protocol and, and things that are in place and, and how they deal with it as part of their, um, I don't know, their <sighs> ideal, their systems, their managements in place. But would you mind telling us about your journey and what happened in that hospital? Mm. Okay, so just before then... I had been introduced to the idea of perhaps these kids having um, some gut issues, which I really didn't understand. So I suppose the other thing we should explain is that I had no science um, experience at all. As in, in grade eight, I had a, a science teacher that I did not like. So from no, years nine to 12, I did everything I could to not do science, which no. meant I did shorthand. <laughs> so... For the first time in my life, I actually needed to know and understand a lot of things about the body, and I just had no basic understanding of a lot mm. of things, and that was truly to my to my detriment. So I was trying to understand what they meant about this gut kind of stuff. The other thing that was coming up in the group was that some kids had gone and done what was called a biomedical intervention, and the kids that had done the biomedical intervention um, were off near Kate, hmm. were off reflux meds and were eating quite a wide variety of foods and things. And I thought, well, hello, you know, what's going on here? What is this biomedical intervention stuff? Hmm. So, um, you know, and then basically I learned that it was just seeing a biomed doctor and that it's, you, were, you were doing a GAPS-type diet um, mm -hmm. 
and then yeah and then supplements you know the doctor mm. would then prescribe supplements for you know any nutritional deficiencies that you had type of thing so I thought okay now in this particular group there was one nutritionist that a lot of um, the ladies on there had used and had um, had great help with um, most of them had gone to her because nobody else had been able to help help them with Casey baby type of things, you know, the screaming, the reflux, the chemical sensitivity, that seemed to be where it was different to your, like, classical um, autism-type child, I suppose, in that they don't seem to present with reflux. But the two things were really um, closely related, I guess. Um, So I learnt about that. And I think just before we come down, Lal, I had decided that, yes, look, I was going to look into this more. And we had actually sent away um, some uh, poo samples to see, you know, what was going on. And then we were looking at going to this nutritionist. In the meantime, this um, appointment came up and I thought, well, look, I need to keep my options open. I need to see, um, you know, what they have to say. It's it's a different, it's, you know, the top hospital with the immunologists and all the rest of us, let's go type of thing. So we did and um, we did skin prick testing and, yes, you know, still allergic to egg, dairy, soy. Um, and then what they what their suggestions were was that Casey should be put into hospital down there and that they would feed him um, and continue to feed him different types of food until they came across a food that he um, would be able to tolerate and then we would go home. And immediately alarm bells were ringing in me um, because I'd started to look into this chemical sensitivity. I knew what a... Uh, toxic, I don't mean that in a bad way, I just mean in that there's lots of chemicals in a hospital, like the smells of those things would be um, Mm. inducing reflux in him. And I just thought, oh, this does not not sound right to me. And I brought up to them, uh, I spoke to them about how I had been looking into these biomedical interventions, you know, they're sampling poo tests and then they're looking at, you know, the the difference in the um, microbiome in the in the gut. Not that I knew that that's what it was called back then. I can just imagine how I would have explained it, Lyle. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, it's all the other bugs. You know, yeah. your body. I think I oh, had a phone call. You know, Lyle, you've got these bugs in your body and yeah. they all work together and sometimes you've got the wrong amount and sometimes yeah. you don't have some. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what they do, but they all work in the body. And I'm like, okay, so that's the approach that we're going. Okay. That was our our team meeting because our team meetings were every day. Yes. So, yes. So you can imagine from their point of view, you're stuck with it. You're landed with this mother from the bush. Who doesn't speak science. Who doesn't speak science and who's ratting on about, you know, biomedical stuff and, you know, which is not something that um, the mainstream um, community ha- were looking at. I'm not even sure if they still are because I'm out of that now. I don't know if it's still, you know, it, it was really poo pooed type mm. of a thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And how old's Casey now? Casey's mm. seven. Seven. Yeah. So that, yeah. you know, like that was quite a, a time ago. Yeah. yeah. So that's like six, you know, six years ago, isn't it? So yeah. I, I don't know if that's still the case. But, you know, from their point of view, you can imagine what it was like. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but I just, so they were talking to me and telling me, you know, this is pretty well much what we want you to do. Um, he needs to be put in hospital. This is what needs to happen. But there was just something inside of me telling me, no, this is not right. I think I need to go and look more into this other stuff and I need to try and understand more what's going on. Mm. Um now that was my perception of what of what happened, and I can't. Leah reckons that I kind of turned my blinkers off. Oh, look, you're sitting there with Jersey, it was like what she was saying sent alarm bells off in the hospital. <laughs> and the more she spoke, the more doctors and the more support crew we got in that room. So it became <laughs> a very crowded affair. And at some point, she just that's it. She shut down the 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 blinkers went on, and she wasn't hearing any of anything. 
and she just sat there and nodded and it was like she realised that she couldn't argue her way out of the situation because she didn't have the language Yeah. and it was just kind of, okay, I need to take what they're going to give me here and step back and get out. So for Durs it was a shutdown, nod and, and get out of the system so I can, you know, gather the information and, and sort it all out. But, yeah, definitely the more you spoke Durs, the more interest there was in trying to convince you that, no, no, there's nothing else out there that's going to help you other than the method of healing that we can offer you in here. So, yeah, it was it was really hard. And, of course, I was still on my journey and I'm going, Jess, that sounds really good. You've got all these people that are going to support you. And she's sitting there. I'm like, I'm her best mate. And I'm saying, no, you're in the best hands at the best hospital. You've got everyone at your beck and call. This is great. Let's do it. I'm ready to hand over the baby. It's not my baby, but I'm like, here, he's been screaming all day. He's all yours. Yeah. And Jess is like, no, love, we're going home. And she didn't talk to me in the car on the way home. It was like Casey in the back having a scream. And we're driving from Brisbane back to the Gold Coast. And she was, she still had them blinkers on because I was on their team. So it took a little while for her to then uh, process what was going on, what was being said, and then relay it to me. And then, of course, I had to come on board as well. And then she had to go home and convince her husband. Oh. Yeah. So we're so the bit. <laughs> yeah, that this is what we were going to, Well, this is what we were going to do, I say. Yeah. Yeah, you and I. <laughs> yeah, it was just like I can't explain it, but everything inside of me was, was like you said, like, I need to get out of here. This is not right. Some, you know, something needs to happen. Something needs to change. We mm. need to, you know, cut. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and intuition. You know, like it's it's this ability to uh, like acquire knowledge with without reason and without you know, like you know. And when you look at a lot of medicines, you know, different organs. Um, are associated with, you know, different um, processing abilities or different um, innate responses to certain certain stimulus. And, and that's why, you know, people say I'm drawn to something or I've, I can feel it in my gut or no, that's not right. It's, it's like as soon as they start listening to their brain and going through the processing and the thought process and, and trying to weed it out, it's kind of like the brain almost sabotages. So women especially and, and mothers, you know, like what's the saying is a mother knows best, you know, like that innate primal urge or knowing that a mother knows and Jess had that in spades. Mm. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, and, and I've always run by that. You know, like when I go and buy, doesn't matter what I buy, hey, lounge, mm. I go, doesn't matter what it is. It's, if it's a lounge, whatever it is, I go, yeah, no. my gut tells me to buy that one, so that's what I do. But she does mm. that with people as well. So it's yep. like she had me and Mark and I, she had us pegged as soon as we walked in the door and she decided we were right. And I have introduced her to my friends and I'm like, okay, Jess, can they be my friends? And she's like, nah. <laughs> like she is so good with listening to her gut instinct. So yeah. as soon as Jess turned around and said, look, this is just a gut thing, I'm just like, yep, hands off. Okay, this is the direction we're going with. And, and that's where we headed. It was, yeah. Jess, that's something that I've taught you to do now, isn't it? I know. Somehow. You, you are so much better at that than what you used to be. I know. And when I, when I actually say things like, you know, you've got to listen to your gut or, you know, that start talking about innate and intuition and all those things, it's just like, Jers is in my head. She's in my ears. This is exactly what she said. So when she listens to a podcast, I'm sure she's sitting there thinking, hang on, I taught her that and she's broken my information. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Jers is my so, guru when it comes to the innate. So the moral of that story was Leah shouldn't have come with me that day. No. Mark should have come with me because that night... Everyone likes Mark better than oh, Leah. Oh. Having... <laughs> I, don't like him. I don't like him more than you. Okay, that's all right. Okay, continue. Continue. I'm all right now. I've just picked myself up off the floor. I'm all right. So that night I, can, I remember sitting in your kitchen... <laughs> With just Mark and I, I don't know how we got Casey to sleep. Maybe you were out pushing him in the pram or something. I don't know. But Mark, was, Mark and I were sitting there and I'm going, I just don't understand, you know, what this is. I don't understand this whole the biomedical intervention bit and whatever. So I told Mark in my, you know, well, you've got all these bugs and, you know, blah, blah, blah business. And that's when Mark came up with his septic tank analogy. And it was like... The light bulbs went off in my head. He said, Jers, it's just like a septic tank. You've got to have good bugs and you've got to have bad bugs to make it work. If the bugs aren't in the right ratio, then um, it's not going to work. Septic tank's going to die type of thing, you know? Yeah. And then I went, oh, 
Yeah, because he was selling that to a farm girl. Yes, and that's right. Yes, and that's why it made so much sense to me too because obviously I knew how a septic tank worked. Um, so, yes, that was, a huge, that was a huge thing, wasn't it? Mm. So then it was pretty well much coming home then, taking stock, having to convince my husband that um, I didn't want to do what the hospital wanted us to do, that I wanted to um, try this other non-mainstream thing. I think I think being in a room with Shane at that time was so much harder than being in that hospital room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, it was hard. You know, can Jess, can you, because after doing and going to the hospital having these testings and making up your mind, you actually went and saw, well, spoke to this nutritionist. Yes. Um, and then she started to get you to put certain things in practice. So what was your... Day, what was the transition into getting the home set up for Casey and his part of his recovery? Um, so I thought I already had um, everything pretty well, you know, that I was doing pretty much everything. But when this nutritionist um, took us on, she didn't only take Casey on, she took on the whole family. Mm. And her way of looking at things was that if there's one person in the family with this problem, chances are other members in the family do, maybe not to this degree, um, but, you know, there's something going on with everyone. Yeah. And, of course, she was right. <laughs> um, so she then sent sent to me a like 20 page document with everything that needed to be done with and in the house wow. so you know, like if there was any um chemicals whatsoever in the house they had to go all of your any makeups just anything that wasn't um a natural and i don't mean a natural as in made product either i mean as in if it's not fruits and vegetables and um, fresh stuff, then pretty much it needs to, it needs to go. Other than your baking, other than your baking kind of things. But there mm. was even no essential oils. Wow. Yes, no essential oils or anything because of the smell in them, and that yeah. then induced you know the reflux in Casey. Wow. Um, you know, I remember. I think before then, I changed to shampooing my hair in um, bicarb. Mm -hmm. and vinegar because, of course, he was so close to me all the time. It, it was imperative that I didn't smell anything. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it was pretty well much ridding everything out of the house, didn't matter what it was, making sure everything was gluten, um, dairy, soy. Eggs were already gone. We got rid of those when he, um, when he be, when we knew he was allergic. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, that was pretty – that was a huge thing. It was cleaning mm. the house then too, um, making sure that the, you know, the dust, all of that kind of stuff was done as well. So it was pretty well much a major clean out. Mm. Um, we had carpet, didn't we? Yeah. So probably about um, four months in with her, um, she had convinced me that we need to get rid of the carpet in our house. That was the other thing Casey was allergic to was dust mites really badly. Um, and he had developed eczema quite badly to the point where it was itchy, scratchy, bleeding. And that he was in, mum had made him those muslin suits. Oh, I remember those. Oh, yeah. yeah. So he was in like um, an all-in-one, but of course, because it was so hot, he, mm. she'd made them out of muslin for him so that we didn't have to wet bandage him. Mm. Um, with the with the eczema, mm. so and he yeah. was head to toe when when you held Casey, yeah. Gabriel had spots of the similar sort of thing on his bum and these legs, but mm. Casey from head to toe was wow. rashes and and lesions, but mm. he felt like a cat's tongue. So you know when yes. you rub a cat's tongue, he was rough and he had this like um, his hair was it was like bristles on a, a scouring brush. Oh poor thing. So, you know, like I know now that certain vitamins and minerals and deficiencies and that other stuff, obviously it comes out through your hair. But, you know, this hair just stood straight on end like he'd been electrocuted mm -hmm. and it was bright red and it was coarse. It wow. was like you could have scrubbed a counter down. Um, <laughs> like, you know, like I'm, I'm not trying to be silly with the analogy, but that's what it was. It was, you know, like it, Casey, I love you, but it's really, you know, to, to hold something like that and to be and so loving towards someone that's, so, well, he was abrasive. It wasn't his personality. He actually was abrasive. Yeah. It was inc just incredible. Wow. Mm. Yeah. 
Um, so at that stage then, um, I decided we needed to get rid of the carpet, any curtains, any cushions, anything fabric related wow. where dust and dirt and dust mites in particular could then sit. Mm. So um, we ended up moving out of our house for um, a week and a half and went to the beach for a week. Um, and somebody came in and we um, had, our, had, you know, had the carpet removed and everything. And, and I think and we remember we had to paint the steps because we couldn't find anything else to put on the steps at the yeah. time. Now, so. Everything else had a smell and even the paint yeah. that you chose had to go yes. down first to give yes. it that time to cure and air. Yes, mm -hmm. and so then we did it in we did it in summer when it was hot then too, so that the paint could off gas a lot quicker. Okay. And this is a brand new house too. Like yes, the, house, the carpet was only two years two old. Two years old. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, so yes, so we did all. You know, we need we we did that, and we have only looked back since then mm. as well, of course, too. So. Mm. But you had dust mite covers on the mattresses, yes, on the yes. pillowcases. Yeah, everything had to be, you know, and even to this day, your dry dusting, how often, it's once a week, wet, dry, wet dusting, dusting. Yeah. wet dusting, <laughs> yeah, wet dusting once a week and the sheets get done twice as regularly as you would normally do them and, and all that other stuff just to make sure yes. that there is definitely no dust in the house for Casey. Yes, yes. And did you and find like, that really made a big difference? Yeah, it did. It did. Um, and interestingly enough, um, one of the first signs that something like that is going on is the bridge of his nose oh. um, swells and, you know, his nose starts to become a little blocked. Uh, and, of course, we've been on school holidays and he went back to school yesterday. And so, of course, yesterday afternoon he came home with a fat nose and a bit of a, a blocked nose in the afternoon. So that's when you start looking at that fine line about, well, you know, what do you do? as far as, you know, school goes as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, on the topic of school, yeah. on the topic of school, can we just hang in there with that and talk about what it's been like for you having a Casey baby? And we should tell everyone that Casey ended up with a diagnosis. And can you talk about possibly how you support him? So getting a diagnosis and what that's meant to you and, and to the school community as well. Hmm. Yeah, so Casey has a um, diagnosis of ASD, so which just means autism spectrum disorder. Yeah. Um, he has come along in leaps and bounds, I guess, since we got that. Having he uh, actually getting his autism diagnosis was not difficult at all. We still see the same paediatrician that we've seen um, the whole time um, since he was a baby. And I think it might have been at his three and a half year old um, checkup mm -hmm. that he just said, you know, we would talk about whatever was going on. And of course, I by then his sister had actually been diagnosed with Asperger's. So of course, okay. I knew all the autism talk, I suppose. Mm. And I guess the doctor knew that he was and I knew that he was and he just said to me, well, look, we might as well just diagnose him now because we both know that he is. Yeah. But it's kind of something that we hadn't spoken about before then. So actually obtaining the diagnosis for him was not difficult at all. Hmm. But it just meant then that I was able to access other services. Now, of course, in Bundaberg, we're restricted by what services we have and there were even less um, back then. So all I could access was speech therapy and occupational therapy. There are now a few more um, services here and we actually now have um, the AEIOU Foundation as well, which is an early intervention, Autism Early Intervention Centre mm -hmm. um, that kids can go to there as well. Um, I would say that he is now more Asperger's than anything, wouldn't you, Lau? Yeah, I would. Yes. Yeah, so I would. I don't think he, you know, would even qualify for that um, diagnosis anymore. Mm. Um, as far as when he went to school and kindy, that was an awfully big leap. Um, he, I have a, what, he has a management plan, doesn't he, Lyle? He does, which gets reviewed. Yes, yeah. so we review it every 12 months, but it's pretty well much a three-page three plan and it just goes through everything that needs to be um, put in place and accommodated for him, I suppose. You know, just looking at things like 
you know, he must only eat, obviously, food and water that's supplied from home. Yeah. Um, I should have it in front of me so I can list it off, shouldn't I? Um, you know, lots of things like that. You know, you know, is there going to be any spraying in the school? Is there going to be any painting in the school? The school now does all of that over the school holidays. The first day that's of the school good. holidays, the pest control people come in so that there's then, time, there's then two months for that to off-gas mm. and any of the residual for that to not be hanging around in the air type of thing for when oh, he goes great. into school. Um, so there's all there's all that little kind of stuff. But the plan's about, you know, two or three pages long. And it also goes into things like, you know, he needs to only use the Play-Doh that I supply. Yeah. When he was younger, we're just trialling this now, he used to wear glo little gloves mm -hmm. um, to do some of the craft work and things so that it, he didn't then absorb it through his skin. Wow. Just having, you know, different felt pens that didn't smell, you know, mm -hmm. um, I know for some kids, even the whiteboard markers that the teachers use were problems for them, but he seems to be able to cope with that kind of stuff now. But early on, that was certain, but all of those things were certainly in the management plan and were certainly um, something that really affected him. You know, I would know if he'd, if something had happened at kindy that day or something, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it was a matter of trying to work out what it was, whether yeah, they some, whether someone was spraying next door or they topped up the tan bark or yes. you know, they used a certain paint, all those things that you just take for granted. You just send your kids off to school and you just you assume that the environment's going to be safe for them. For someone like Casey and for a lot of other kids, mm. um, you know, that are either diagnosed or not diagnosed, some kids walk around and, and they've got reflux and they've got all these other problems and these gut issues. And they will cause behavioural problems in kids. And, and, you know, the parents are just, well, you know, they're off their trolley, they're overtired, they've eaten something. And for Jers, it was a matter of, well, no, I've got to nail down exactly what's happened. Um, so she was Miss Marple in working <laughs> out. It was. It was like one of those uh, Inspector Clouseau things, you know, yeah. like she'd go after things and, all right, well, if it's not me and I've got my house in lockdown and, and, and we're all fine, then what was it? What wow. was the exposure? Because that needed to be documented on the list of things yeah. and from the get-go Jers had this little tiny you know spiraled uh, journey journal yeah. and everything went in there it would had she had like shorthand because mm -hmm. she's you know done shorthand before she'd have shorthand for the time <laughs> what the poo was what it looked like she had catalogues of poo photos and I've as got, you, <laughs> wow I've got, I've got two of them in front of me now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Wow. I found them today. But you know what? They've been the best thing ever now because I can look back and go, oh, really? Like a lot of the stuff I just I just don't remember. But the other thing is uh, whilst all this is going on and all this is happening, I'm so aware of that there are 20 other kids at school and that 20 mm. other kids don't have any of these problems and that they still need to experience and, um, you know, everything that kindy and school has to offer and not be detrimented or you know just mm -hmm. because my child's there too and, and this poor teacher having to deal with me <laughs> and then a new teacher every year because oh, it was a matter Morris. of educating the teacher on yeah. the process in That'd order to make it well yeah, yeah for Casey to be the student he needs to be and be able yeah. to learn that needed to be tailored to him um, specifically. But I'm really surprised all the things that we put in place and even on my short little space in time that I spent in the school systems, the more information you bring to the teacher for the classroom, the more of it they sort of look at and go, hang on, everyone else in the in the classroom could actually benefit from this information. Yeah. I think that's why Jers has had such a success with the school. She hasn't oh, walked good. in and said, right, this is my kid, you have to do this and has to be changed. Well. Sometimes she did. But for the most of it, it's like, you know, nurturing them along the journey, educating them along the journey and being part of, you know, like you're part of the P, what is it, the PNC? Yeah. And, and, you know, being involved as a community member and, and making those relationships and, and actually being committed. It's not just drop your kid off and run. No. It's actually being part of the community and having those relationships and those friendships with the, the parents and the other teachers and, and things like that gave you more of a chance to share and get everyone involved. So, I, you know, like your school in Bundaberg where you are, it's just amazing. It's like at the forefront, I would say, with, you know, the, the chemical loads and what they actually do for the other kids. Yeah, it's, really it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is that I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> 
Oh, this happens a lot on our phone calls, Jess. <laughs> it hasn't happened for ages, but... Well, tell us what, how you think this has changed you as a person going through all this. Hugely, hugely, mm. Joe. Um, I was very opinionated. Huh. Uh, I was follow the rules. You just do what everyone tells you. Mm-hmm. If the expert tells you that's what you do, then that's what you do. Why are you questioning it? Yes. You know, they, they know what they're on about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so probably from that point of view, a huge changes because I'm more open to listening to everybody's point of view now. That's cool. Um, yeah. And it takes hard times for that to happen a lot of times, doesn't it? Yes. You know, I mean, everyone says that children change you, but it just didn't <laughs> you didn't realise it would be that much. <laughs> no, no. So, yeah, huge, huge change in that regard. And just being, I guess, more aware of um, the different ideas that different people have and that mm. just because I thought that was normal for me doesn't mean it's normal for somewhere else or, yeah. or something, you know, and just trying to look at how different people have dealt with it. Mm. And ha- have you been able to help other people through your journey? She's helped me. I bet. <laughs> she, she kicked off my journey and she was sitting there saying, no, love, there's something wrong with your kid. Yeah. And I'm like, no. no. You're the one, you've got the kids that are screaming. Yeah, mine aren't yes, screaming. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, no, so uh, I suppose Lyle and I have um, done, we've done it all together, haven't we? And That's now good. we're kind of at the stage where, um, it's a reciprocal kind of arrangement. I mm. am no longer now interested in all that sciencey stuff and wanting to know the intricate details of it. If I want to know it, I just ring Lal and say, hey, <laughs> what does this mean and what's that bit? Because I can't delegate. Yeah, that. and then, then I say, hey, Mark, Jess wants to know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, 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 he's the one with the, um, the attitude for, for that sort of yes. stuff. You know, like when even when I speak about those things, I know what I'm talking about, but I'm not using their language. I'm yeah. talking in my language and I disconnects to that. And it's, you know, with that doohickey that does this and does that. And do you, find, is, do you find with, um, I know with me, I'm more intuitive and experience and, you know, that kind of thing is what I run on, whereas my husband is more the facts and the figures and I think it's a girl guy thing sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah I'm a lot like Leah. We need to do it to yeah. understand it Same. as well yeah. it has to be real and it has to be happening now so even the information mm-hmm. that we read it's you know I, six months later i go now i've read something about that it made yeah. no sense to me at the time but i've yeah. read it i put it on the shelf and i can always come back to it but i won't absorb it and i won't put it into action or i won't actually think hey look this is what that actually is mm. until it needs to be actioned yes and then i'm like you know scrambling because i, I need that bit of information now and i think having autistic children you know like they learn in in, um you know they go through these cycles or there's different phases Mm. and jers and i the whole way have been trying to stay ahead of what the game is and trying to predict where they're they're at at and making sure we're informed so we know that this stage is coming up next and i think jers has actually started um she's been studying psychology for a few years now Mm -hmm. and i think that's why she went back to school have you do you reckon that that's why you went back and decided you're studying psychology jers do you know, I, I don't, did I say that I wanted to go to uni? I think I decided that I wanted to do something, but I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. And it was actually the um, nutritionist that we were seeing at the time. And she said, you'd be really good at psychology. You'd really like it. Hmm. And because she'd been right on everything else, I just went, okay, right, well, that's what I'll do. Oh, how funny. <laughs> But it's been a blessing. It's been really cool because I ring up and I say, oh, look, he's doing this and she'll rattle off that it's this theory and it's this thing and it's this part of their life and he's I'm like, I don't even know what they are. I'm just like, oh, okay, fair enough. You've read about it and it's in a book. It must be real. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, I'm not going crazy. So having Jers and her knowledge there um, has kind of been, um, you know, imperative to my growth and the direction in my family. Yeah. Um, yeah, just having everyone on different pages and different levels. It's really hard to stay ahead of the game because no one in our family or in Jersey's family is normal. <laughs> no, no, that's right. Of course, apparently, except for you and I. Oh, I don't even know that we're normal, Jers. I don't even know what normal is anymore. <laughs> don't. Someone might hear you. <laughs> We've done so well to get through this far. I know we have. We've done um, very well. 
Jess, do you want to talk about shame? Because I really think that that would help Jo in her growth and her development, as, you know, and with Dave and with everyone else who, for all the other parents, whether they're men or women that make a choice and make a path, sometimes you don't travel the path together. No. Do you no. want to, is that, is that all right if we talk about that? Because, yeah, you know, sure. I've dragged my husband on and we've brainwashed him. Jez, it's because there's two of us working together. Yes. Um, and we've had to, I've had to get and write down what I need, the argument is, and in science type, math type, engineering type words and stand there and read it to him so he understands what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, in order to convince him to come on my path. And Mark's actually conceived and, and you know, developed this whole masculine intuition and now he's on board. But it's not always like that. No. Yes, it is. And and that was a tricky thing for me was that when Casey was born, I did not have the support from my husband and I was pretty well much doing this all on my own. Whilst we all lived together in the one roof, mm. under the one roof, um, he was not supporting me either by helping me look after Casey or emotionally um in any kind of way. So mm. that was, I guess, the start of the breakdown of our um, relationship, which is really sad now when, you know, I look back and, and, and see it. Mm. Um, I guess one of the things um, that I suppose and the catalyst for me was I knew I had to do this for Casey and to continue to go down this path for him, and I had to make a decision. It was it was me and and trying to put the kids first for what they needed, or was I going to try and keep their you know our family together type of thing? Mm. And at the time, I made the decision that I had to do what was right for the kids, as um, mothers often do. Yes, yes, that's right. So. You know, it's that mother that, instinct. <laughs> yes, you know that kind of happened. Um, but we live in the same street, mm-hmm. uh, and the kids come and go up to see him and come back again. Um, it's my suspicion that um, he is also on the autism spectrum. Yeah, um, and that's where a lot of you know, a lot of, I guess, the breakdown of our relationship happened because he had just had no way of understanding this instinct thing, I guess, that that I had um, because, there, you know, people on the autism spectrum are normally not intuitive in a, okay. in a lot of places. So mm, that was... That was Rather, that's been rather a difficult journey, hasn't it, love? Mm. It has. has. So, so he, so he basically wanted you to stick with the mainstream um, way of doing um, things, or no? He would. He actually came on board, and okay. he um, actually would do everything while we were at home, but did not like it, and um, did not support trying to understand it and try and help me understand it because I think he would have been really good at that, don't you? If it was his special interest, Shane is, you know, like he's a very likeable guy and when he's passionate about something, when he gets an idea on something, that's it. The rest of the world can just just (laughs) pause because I'm 100% focused on this and this is what I'm interested in. And the whole way along, we were trying to get him to take this on as a special interest because if he got it, if he realised, then he would have just, he would have been, you know, the saving grace of the world because mm-hmm. once he's passionate about everything, everyone's got to know and he's got to share it and everyone should be interested in what he's interested in. And yeah. that's the beauty of, of having Asperger's or ASD or any of those things is their ability to hyper-focus yeah. and their conviction in what they believe. Yeah. Yeah, mm. definitely. Did so, we lose you again, Jez? No, I'm back now. Oh, good, you're back. so um did you want to explain to us what's happening with him now with Casey and how things are going now and what's the direction that you take now um so pretty much um he's quite good in that he doesn't feed Casey anything Mm -hmm. um if Casey wants to eat anything he needs to come back home to me so I am primary carer for both of the children and I, I do everything. 
they will go up there and have um, sleepovers, mm-hmm. but that's after we've had tea and after we've had baths and everything. So he gets all the good bits pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> the easy stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, and I guess we're just, I guess I'm just trying to work on repairing our relationship and me Um, trying to understand the place where he comes from. Mm. So I guess for a long time it was so very frustrating for me because I just didn't understand why um, he wasn't helping me, why he didn't understand what I was going through Mm. and why, 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 I guess, I suppose. Um, Whereas now I guess I can step back and look at it and try to see from his perspective and try to understand what, he understands mm. about everything that went on, of course. Mm. And now you're through the – do you find you're through the harder years now with Casey? Like it's a bit easier now or not? Or just yes. you're used to it or what? <laughs> yeah, so look, now he's at school. Yeah. Um, and he is probably – I guess you'd, you'd classify him as pretty well much paleo now, wouldn't you, Well, Yeah. But just to come from a baby that couldn't eat anything, not one yes. single thing, and yes. he, he's seven and he's still on his journey and we're still healing his gut and his allergies still flare up and we've still got a few behavioural issues and a few learning things. But mm. the difference it has made and, you know, the other week when we were talking about with gaps, sometimes we, I think you told the kids it would take two years. Well, yeah. Jez is still on that journey and yeah. Casey... He's. I think the only thing that he can't have is the eggs. Is okay. that right, Jess? Uh, oh, and dairy. Eggs and dairy are the only things that he's not testing to as being a high allergy response. Yeah. But even then, he's on the cleanest paleo diet you've ever seen because he's not having really. He's having a few seeds, not a lot of nuts, and and it's mostly the whole foods and whole veggies and and because he didn't grow up with those you know how the child yeah. develops a palate and yeah. and a sense of texture and all those other things if you've got a kid that's on the spectrum that hasn't got those you know and hasn't been introduced to those things and those you know developmental things of introducing food along the way then it's really hard to introduce mm. those textures to them and those ideas that those are foods because for a yeah. long time they were the things that made him scream and cry and that's put him right. in pain that's probably scared so, of them yeah so for his mm. view um mm. But I was up there at Christmas and just seeing him sitting down to a plate of real food with everyone else. Oh, that's um, so good. Because even now, like, Jers, you, you're not making the – does he still have custard or does he still – He does have a little bit of Joe's coconut custard. Oh, oh good. That's oh. nice. <laughs> Joe's caramel coconut custard. But I've switched out the tapioca and we use gelatin in it. Yeah, that's what we do so. now. Yes, good, isn't so it? he does, he has that once a day now and he had, he gets that at school, obviously, oh, now, that's that, good. now he's at school. But other than that, he's just eating whole foods. Mm. Yeah, that's really hey, good. for everyone, Jess, can you just explain when we say custard and what he was having, can you explain the type of custard that Casey was having and how often he was having it? Like as part of his meal of, I suppose, where he, you know, when we started yep. and what he's eating now in a day. Could you just talk about those two things? Yeah, so he, uh, once we transitioned off um, the near Cape, which was pretty well much straight away once we started our intervention, we were then using um, a lot of chickpea flour mm-hmm. and he would, so everything was pretty well much made on chickpea flour, but because he'd been on a liquid diet until he was almost two years old, that's all he wanted and he mm. wanted to eat this custard 24 hours a day and didn't want to eat other things then. So it has been such a long, slow process. Wow. Slowly tweaking and adding adding things in and then, like I just said to you, that I've um, switched out the tapioca in your um, mm-hmm. coconut custard recipe. Yeah. That's like taking a tablespoon out at a time and adding a bit of gelatin in at the time because wow, any he can notice consistency, yeah. Okay. So there's all of those kind of um, things as well. And he's very rigid in what he wants to eat, wants to yeah. eat the same thing every day. Yeah. So there's a lot of hiding veggies in in some things for him mm. uh, because there's a, you know, there's a little bit of an eating disorder yeah. there as well. So, mm. 
So what kind of tips have you got for mums with kids that do have eating disorders? Because I get questions <laughs> from them all the time. <laughs> oh, well, the biggest one is just take really slow little steps. Yeah. And we um, actually did uh, one of the – his speech therapist actually does a little bit of um, – I forget what she calls it, but it's like it's like food therapy. Okay. And she just said to me, look, just come for one session. That's all you'll need and you'll you'll be able to do it yourself at home. Yeah. And it's pretty well much what you read in a lot of the books. You need to just get them to touch the food and then that's all they do that day. The next day, get them to sniff it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the next day put a little bit to their mouth and, and then – once you've got them that they'll you know lick it or something then you can sit down in sessions with them mm-hmm. and you you will do all those things um in the one session you're going to pick the food up and you're going to look at it and you're going to talk about it no oh, isn't this you know what does it look like you know what else do you think it could be and get them to sniff it get them to lick it get them to have a taste of it and as they're doing this you do all this as well yeah so um, all the modeling yes all the modeling um, things like that, but the big, the biggest thing that I've had to do is just take such really slow steps. In yeah. that, if if in the end I want him to eat your custard and it has no tapioca in it, mm-hmm. then it is like I said, taking out the you know half a teaspoon of tapioca a day or every couple of days and putting in a little bit more gelatin to get it the consistency right. Then yeah. that's what you have to do. Yeah, and. I think at the beginning of the school holidays, what was it, Lal, that I wanted? He was still having to eat some foods. He was still having this organic tomato sauce, um, which had sugar in it. So I wanted it to go. I mm-hmm. wanted the tapioca to go. Um, what else did I want at the start? Um, of the corn. That was the last yes, thing. Yes, that's right. So he was having – the other thing that he was having was he was having um, like – a um like a cornflake type thing around his chicken nuggets mm-hmm. <laughs> um, homemade yeah, yeah homemade, with veggies. Which, is, which is the the chicken nugget is um chicken mince um beef mince and um chicken livers and yeah. then whatever veggies you can get in there yeah um and then you, i was just coating them in like a cornflake type Mm-hmm. Chip it on the outside so it had a bit of crunch, bacon in the oven type of thing. So it was for that to go yeah, and the tomato sauce to go. So I think we actually did that all before Christmas, didn't oh, we? that's good. So he's, he's speeding up a bit. Yeah, he is starting. And, well, I've just gotten tougher too now because I know he's that little bit older now. Yeah, that's right. And you can reason with him a bit more. Yes, I can reason with a bit more and I know he's not going to starve. And yeah. there's a few white lies too, Hages. Like, yeah, there are a couple. Yeah, like, no, Mr. Woolworths doesn't have that anymore. We no. can't get it. We can't get it anymore. <laughs> can't get we it because it's not. Any. It won't go in the trolley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't take them. I don't take them. They hate going shopping, so well, that's handy. <laughs> well, it's such a sensory thing when you go yeah. to the supermarket too or you go grocery smells. shopping. Well, you've got the nail salons and the hairdressers, and then oh. you've got the stinky two dollar shops, and just yeah. to take a kid in there like that. Then, the worst thing for me is the washing detergent aisle. I can't stand it. Oh, yeah, no, we, they it makes can't, my they, head if ache. If they ever come with me, they stand at the end of it because they can't stand the smell of it. No, it's mm. awful, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's mm. really interesting. Can you think of anything else, Leah, that we should ask? No, I can't think of anything at the moment, but I'm sure I'll think about it later on. <laughs> uh, but I think we should get Jez back to talk about um, autoimmune diseases and what she's done to... Um, help heal that okay so that- I, th- I think we're going to do that can we do another one and we'll do that on um, Jesse's autoimmune disease because yeah. her approach has been very very different and still aligns with you know the gut healing and the therapies mm-hmm. and it's it's I think it's a bit different to what everyone else is doing is this as well is this your autoimmune disease Jersey you mean pardon do you yeah, mean Jersey's autoimmune disease oh okay yes. You know, like what the symptoms were when they yep. started and all those other things because okay. a lot of people don't understand that they or don't realise they've got an autoimmune disease until mm. it's really, really bad. Yes. And, and Jersey's story to that is actually quite amazing that, that she's got to this point and she's actually healing and undoing her autoimmune disease through mm. gut therapy and food and, and the like. So the diet that she's got Casey on is a modified diet that she's also on yes. and she's doing it, you know, so she's doing everything for Kate and she's doing everything for Caitlin and they're on this autism spectrum. Yeah. Then she's also doing a similar thing for 
um, autoimmune disease. And just the fact that it's such a healing diet across a broad range of things and it yeah. can, you know, help assist, cure, reduce symptoms in so many different areas. That's right. Mm. That would be good. We'll look but Jez has probably, yeah, probably got school pickup. <gasps> yes. Yeah. So, yeah. We better get going. It's okay. Kylie will come on my phone in a minute to tell me that it's time to go. <laughs> it's Kylie Minogue. <laughs> oh, okay. It's your alarm. Thank you so much, Jersey. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll, we'll finish off there and we'll, be, we'll, we'll get you back when we can, if, that, if that's okay with you. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening in to A Quirky Journey. We hope you've really found that helpful. Um, and if you do have some questions for Jersey or for Leah or I, you can put them on our Facebook pages um, and just post your questions there or on our websites. Also on the website, thewellnesscouch.com backslash A Quirky Journey. Um, you can go there and leave comments. And we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and also check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view a whole lot of wellness podcasts, all different kinds of things. And um, we'll hopefully see you, listen to you. No, you'll listen to us, sorry, next week. (laughs) Whoops. And um, we'll keep working on all those changes and we'll be back to share more of our journeys with you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. See you, Leah. See you, Josie. Bye. Bye. See ya. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.